Here we go. One, two, three. You guys ready? What is the ultimate, and I mean the ultimate priority in our lives? One thing. Worship God. That is what it's all about. Or, as the Westminster Confession says, the chief end of man is to glorify God and enjoy Him forever. To worship God. And if you're worshiping Him truly, you are enjoying Him. And that is what life is about. That is our ultimate priority. It's every day. But what a privilege it is to worship with His people, the church. A special thing. So we've been looking at Revelation 5 and uh, actually chapter 4 also that was dealing with the beauty of heaven where you see the splendor and the majesty there. Of course, the King of Kings is on the throne. And it is awe-inspiring. It is amazing. And then we worked through chapter 5 a couple of weeks ago, up to the point where we're at now. And it was dealing with the Lamb and the Lion. The Lion and the Lamb. The Lion is seen and then the Lamb is the slain lamb that's standing there who is worthy. He is worthy to open up the book and the seals, to unlock the seals, to break them, to show what was coming. And that's in the future now. Not only at that time, but even in our future. Because you see, next week we will be beginning, Lord willing, in the judgment period from chapter 6 through 19 is all dealing with future tense of what will happen. And it will be a time like has not happened before. And we know that could be very, very soon. could be in our time that we are living now. That's what's incredible. As you go all the way back here 2,000 years ago, John saw this as what was going to be in the future. And he's telling us, Here's what's going to happen. There's only one who is worthy to open up the scroll. So that's it for the introduction. We will get ready to read the text here and go into the exposition of it. If uh, you take your Bibles, your notebooks, whatever you have, stand in honor of God's Word. We will read it. Chapter 5, starting at verse 7. And he came and took the book out of the right hand of him who sat on the throne. When he had taken the book, the four living creatures and the twenty-four elders fell down before the Lamb, each one holding a harp and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song, saying, Worthy are you to take the book and to break its seals, for you were slain and purchased for God with your blood, men from every tribe and tongue and people and nation. You have made them to be a kingdom and priest to our God, and they will reign upon the earth. Then I looked and I heard the voice of many angels around the throne, And the living creatures and the elders and the number of them was myriads of myriads and thousands of thousands saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb that was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. And every created thing which is in heaven and on earth and under the earth and on the sea and all things in them, I heard saying, To Him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb be blessing and honor and glory and dominion forever and ever. And the four living creatures kept saying, Amen. And the elders fell down and worshipped. That's a praise God. That is what praise is. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Lord, we thank You as You show us what praise and worship is and it's all about the Lamb. The Lamb who died on the cross. He was slain. And that was the only way that it would be that we would be purchased. The blood is the payment. The blood from Christ. 
the violent death on the cross that paid the penalty of our sins. He took our place on the cross and took our sin. And Lord, He is the worthy one. You are the worthy one. Worthy is the Lamb. In Jesus' name, Amen. Amen. Wow, I want to tell you, we are in the passage that is one of the most significant moments ever in human history. And you say, why is that? This is the moment where Jesus Christ takes the little book, the little scroll, and is going to break the seals to bring on the judgments upon the sin of mankind. The wrath of God is going to be unleashed upon this earth to recover the lost universe, to recover the, the lostness of mankind to sin and Satan and hell. See, He's going to take it out of the right hand of the one who sat on the throne. How significant is that? He takes that scroll with apocalyptic authority, with power and might. And you see, as this transpires before our eyes, John saw all of this, and it is incredible. It's a worship that we long to look into, and we long to do. For our worship here on earth is limited. It falls short of the kind of worship that we will be able to do with our glorified bodies with the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, worshiping the triune God in heaven. And He takes the scroll and it's for a purpose. It's for unrolling it. And He unrolls it, unfolds the judgments. But before we come to chapter 6, you'll notice in your outlines there's no chapter 6 there. And we're not getting into that today. There's something that's important that happens before He starts unleashing the judgments upon the earth. And this is foretold someday, maybe soon, this will start happening. Get a load of that. You could be looking into something that could happen within weeks or months or a few years from now. And it's all foretold right here in detail. That's amazing. That sets me excited. You see... Before the Lord Jesus takes the scrolls and unrolls it, there's one other thing that has to happen. It's the song of the worthy one. Christ, the Lamb, is the worthy one. All the beings in the universe will break out and sing songs to the worthy one and praise Him. So as we get underway here, we see in verse 7, And He came and took the book out of the right hand of Him who sat on the throne. Who's He? He's the Lamb. We were introduced to the Lion with all His power and strength, and that's what the Messiah is, but He's also the Lamb who was slain for us. He's had wounds that were seen, and now He's the one that takes the scroll. It's the Lamb who does this. Amazing. And you know what? you see ones who are worshiping Him with all their might. You see, worship means to ascribe worth. So when we say worship, it is in ye old English as worthship. He's worth this. He's the only one worthy to take the book. Nobody else died for us. No king died for our sins. They couldn't have. They could have died, but it would never have taken away our sins. Now as we come into this song of worship, it's a time of praise. We are going to start noticing some marvelous things that are going on here. What's going on in heaven? Well, let's take a look. Matter of fact, if you look in chapter 5, verse 2, just a few verses back, and they saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice, and you'll see loud constantly through Revelation, even in this chapter in our text today, who is worthy to open the book and to break its seals? 
So here's the worship that comes because they know who it is. You have the creatures, the living creatures, and they are representing the cherubim. We have talked about them before, earlier in this chapter. Also, you have the 24 elders and they're representing the saints, the church. They fall down before the Lamb and each one of them has a harp. That's interesting. That's what it says here in the verse, um, in verse 8. Each one holding a harp and golden bowls full of incense. But a harp. We've heard that all of our lives and people have pictures of it and they that's what we're going to do in heaven. We're going to be on the clouds sitting there playing our harp. And I've heard people say, I hate harps. I don't like anything about harps and I don't want to do that for the rest of eternity. Well, I want to tell you, there's much more than just playing a little harp. I will tell you though, that is a privilege to be able to do. And somehow, some way, your voices are going to be perfect when you sing. And whatever instruments you play, if you play instruments, it sounds like this is going to be some kind of a hallelujah chorus going on constantly. While we do many other things, but the greatest thing is what? To worship. If you don't like to worship God, have fun in hell. And you can't have fun in hell. Because a Christian loves to worship God. That's the new nature, the new song that's been put in them. They love to do it. Why do you come here today on this Sunday? Well, you want to worship God. You didn't really come here to hear Dennis. You know, you want to hear the Word of God preached, obviously. But you came here to focus your attention to ascribe worth to this great, holy, awesome God. And so here we are. And so the idea of the harp, I've never played a harp. It has a lot of strings on it. It looks more complicated than a guitar. Guitar has six. I feel better with a bass guitar because it only has four. (laughs) But the harp has many more. And uh, it it is beautiful, especially if it is played in a way that the way that God has made it to be played. Even today, when you hear some harp players, you go, wow. I felt like I was in heaven. (laughs) But honestly, it's a good thing. And there are other instruments. There's the lyre. There's the tambourine. There is the flute. You know, beautiful sounds. There's cymbals. There's going to be drums, rhythm. You know, God created all that. Music is one of the greatest of all His creation. Do you know our creation today rings of minor keys when you have the wind blowing and if you hear it around your house it's in a minor key everything is in a minor key i don't like minor keys usually i love major keys and major sevenths you know that really exult with happiness and joy and that's what i really just rejoice in but You know, instruments and voices are playing a huge part for eternity. We'll be doing an infinite amount of things, much more, and seeing things that we can't even imagine here. So it's not just playing harps. But if I could play a harp, I think it'd be pretty cool. I'd love it, man. And to play it perfectly? Are you kidding me? Wow. Nothing bad about a harp now, is there? So... Uh, let's look at this just for a moment. Let's harp on a harp a little bit, okay? Quit your harping, Dennis. First okay. Chronicles 25, verse 6. Chronicles is after Samuel and Kings. First Chronicles 25, verse 6. This is the numbering of musicians, singers, choirs. God meant for music to glorify Him. It is one of the most soothing and best things that you can listen to and be a part of. Why is it that people have parties and they want to have music? Because it's just naturally that way. The only problem is a lot of the music they play is twisted. It has the wrong lyrics. But here we go with God and His idea of the way it's supposed to go. And you'll notice in 25 at uh, the near the middle of or end of verse 1, it says, Prophesy with liars. 
harps, and cymbals. And the number of those who performed their service was, and he gives a whole list of all the people who are going to be the musicians, going to be bringing forth the music to set us up for worship. Why do we do worship songs before we start the preaching of the Word of God? Because it gets us into a mood to listen. You see, our uh, emotions play a huge part in our worship. Even though we worship in spirit, our emotions, the Spirit of God leading it, and in truth, one without the other is going to be either cold or it's going to be without some kind of truth, right? We've got to have both. And that's why God made this to be so important. In verse 3, says, direction of the Father, Jehuathan, with the harp, who prophesied in giving thanks and praising the Lord. It evidently even accompanied prophesying. And drop down to verse 6. All these were under the direction of their Father to sing in the house of the Lord with cymbals, harps, Liars for the service of the house of God. Worship service. The prophets were given instruments or harps to have played or that they play so that they would bring on a prophecy. And we'll get to that. That's interesting, isn't it? So a lyre, L-Y-R-E, would be a stringed instrument uh, based on like what a harp does, but it's shaped differently and it has different sounds. And we think of guitars, you know, which I'm very familiar with. And of course, you, you think, think of all the instruments that are there and think of the glorified instruments and people who will play them perfectly. Boy. So, Scripture associates prophesying prophets with harps. We who have been in Bible study on Tuesday night know that. And you remember it. You go, that's right. Even Samuel, just before he became king, prophesied with the prophets. And he wasn't a prophet. But he prophesied with them. And they're all bringing harps. Go to 1 Samuel chapter 10. It's back to the other side from the Chronicles, then Kings, backwards, and then 1 Samuel chapter 10. You guys remember this? Who studied this? There were a group of prophets coming down, and this is like in verse 5, from the high place with harp, tambourine. There's your rhythm. Look at the next one. Here we go. Malachi, flute. Or a tin whistle. It was probably more like what you had today, Malachi. And the lyre before them. And they will be what? Prophesying. Had you ever thought about that? The prophets played music, used harps to get them to get into the receiving of God speaking to them so that they could prophesy. Now that may not have always been that way. But in a lot of occasions it was. Prophesying and in worship. God meant for music to be attended whenever His Word is getting ready to be preached, proclaimed. Isn't that something? Have you ever wondered, uh, you know, did we really need the music? Why don't we just get into the, the study of the Word of God? We would be missing half our worship. So it is important. It's hugely important. And worshiping God. And I know all you guys enjoy it. Some of you say, well, you know, I can't sing a lick, but I'll try it anyway and just keep doing it. And God blesses that. He doesn't care. You do it the best that you can. And He says, one day I'll give every one of you a perfect voice. And I say, thank you, Lord, for me having a voice that can actually sound good for a change. That's what I want. So, But at least I have a voice that I can at least sing. And he trained me enough to where I can play an instrument. Right, Debbie? So that we can that helps us, doesn't it? We could sing a cappella, and it would be fine. But we'd be missing something, I think. And then we bring along a flute. 
right? Somebody else may be playing a fiddle, violin. Zach, if you watch this, you heard that, right? Okay, it's practicing for eternity. I kid, but actually I'm serious. Instruments are important. You think, well, that's just because you're a musician. Well, let's just keep going. Uh, let's turn to... Oh, did we go to 2 Kings 3.15? Did we read that? No. We didn't read that, right? Second Kings, just before Chronicles here, 3.15. But now, bring me a minstrel. And it came about when the minstrel played that the hand of the Lord came upon him. And then he said, Thus says the Lord, make this valley full of... Here we go with prophesying. He had a minstrel play, and then the hand of the Lord came upon the prophet here. Is that cool? Have you ever thought about that? And we know, uh, of course, we were talking about Samuel. Samuel, or uh, 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 Saul, right? I'm sorry, I get those confused. Even in our Bible study, I get them confused all the time. But Saul was the king. And we know that the, the kingdom of Saul will eventually be taken away. And God has already told him that. And the Spirit of God left Saul... And the Spirit of God had come upon David, who would later become king. So interesting that David comes, he is hired by the king's people to come in and soothe Saul, because Saul then had the spirit of the devil come in, or come to him and influence him. I think that's rather interesting there. Rather than the Spirit of God now, it was the Spirit of Satan. A very evil spirit came to him. And he was depressed. He was delusional. He was very angry and infuriated. And they, they knew that a musician was around who was fantastic who can really play. What did he play? The harp. <laughs> exactly. Guess what? It worked. Even on one who had an evil spirit. And it calmed him down. And God used that to come right on into the court of Saul who asked him, to stay with him, and he became the uh, the armor bearer, the one right next to him, right hand man to the king. So he was able to see how it works as being a king. And then God groomed him all that time. Isn't that a sovereign God? But what did he start with? David, the shepherd, and he went out and just wrote songs like crazy, and they became the Psalms that we read today. God is awesome, isn't He? And using a man, preparing him as a kid. Writing songs. Yeah. I think of justice there. He's out there tending the sheep like his age. Really. Isn't that incredible? And just playing a harp. Playing an instrument. Singing. Okay, let's go to Revelation 14.2. We've seen the Old Testament part of it, right? In Revelation 14, and this is going to be in the future, we've already seen something about harps in Revelation 5, right? Uh, not a bad thing. 14.2 And I heard a voice from heaven. That's a good place to hear from, isn't it? Like the sound of many waters, and like the sound of loud thunder, and the voice which I heard was like the sound of harpists. It's a beautiful voice. Playing on their harps. Folks, there's got to be something more to harps than we can even imagine. I'm sure your favorite musician probably is not a harpist. But I do remember Greg Buchanan. Anybody ever heard of him? 
You'll never guess what he played. <laughs> Revelation 15, verse 2. Ready for this? And I saw something like a sea of glass mixed with fire. And those who had been victorious over the beast and his image and the number of his name standing on the sea of glass holding harps of God. Wow. And they sang the song of Moses, the bondservant of God, and the song of the Lamb sang, and there's a great song there too. There are songs throughout Revelation. There are instruments. There's harps. It is beautiful. And we've looked at the picture of Christ being there and surrounding His throne. And then you have all this perfect music going on. And yes, Clyde, even with drums and cymbals. (laughs) And it's going to be something that we've never even heard before. We go, wow. Well, I'll tell you what. Accompaniment in worship, harps, music instruments. Accompaniment for prophesying, yes. This is a symbolic indication that all that the prophets had ever said about what was going to happen in the future is going to come to pass. So you get the prophets in there or the prophesying and the harps and what's being told and John is being revealed this and then he writes it down. We get that kind of prophecy. Everything is going to come to pass. So just before the seals are open, we have great singing and music. That's what he starts off his judgments with. He says, I thought it was worship. Yeah. But it's also prophecy. In this case... It's the judgment. Don't you pray sometimes that would Christ that would come back and judge this sinful world the way that it is? You do, don't you? All the saints throughout all the ages have done that. That's in their heart. They want to see the wrongs be done right. It'll all be righted. So we pray for that. Lord, bring righteousness here. He will. He has to do it in judgment though. But it's about to come to pass. That's what he's doing here in Revelation 5. Now, are you excited? Okay, uh, when you take in the book, the four living creatures were in Revelation 5 8, and the 24 elders. You've got four living creatures, 24 elders. We described that. They fall down before the Lamb who has the book. Each one, this would be the elders. Each one. They were the ones who fall down before the Lamb. Of course, the the creatures are there too, but I believe it's the elders. And it could be the four living creatures, but I think it's the elders here. Each one holding a harp. Each one of them. You don't have one harp player here or two. Everybody plays the harp. Maybe that's representing the whole church believers. One day we'll all hold a harp. What would that sound like? Millions and millions of harps playing. Can't imagine it. It's got to be great. Yes, it will be. Now you have golden bowls full of incense. Each one of them has the harp and the golden bowls of incense. The prayers of the saints. It, it interprets it right here for us. Golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. These are made of gold. Probably, you know, pure gold. Pure gold bowls. Incense going up. And you're, you're carrying this. And it's representing a fragrance that's going up to God. And He's pleased with that. Because in the Old Testament, they had the altar of incense just before the veil. And right there was the altar of incense. The priests would go all through that temple until they would get to the Holy of Holies. They couldn't go in. But that incense would be waved in there where God symbolically would breathe that in through His nostrils and be pleased with the prayers of the saints. He's pleased. He takes great joy in your prayers. Because that 
is worship. That's you communicating to Him as He communicates to you through His Word, by His Spirit. That's a relationship with Jesus Christ. So, for the presence of God, it's rising from the people to God. Look at Psalm 141, verse 2. Good to know. God God hears our prayers, doesn't He? Better believe it. It's what He wants us to do. It's His will. O Lord, I call upon You. Hasten to me. Give ear to my voice when I call to You. May my prayer be counted as incense before You. The lifting up of my hands as the evening offering. Set a guard, O oh Lord, over my mouth that I would speak rightly. To say the prayer right. To say something seasoned all the time. Keep watch over the door of my lips. Do not incline my heart to any evil thing to practice deeds of wickedness with men who do iniquity. And do not let me eat of their delicacies. And oh, That's a great prayer about being sanctified and protected by God. It's a psalm of David. Now, the psalmist was writing there, may my prayer be counted as incense before you, that you would be pleased with, like the, uh, the priest do. They offer incense up. Revelation 8, verse 3. Another angel came and stood at the altar holding a golden censer and much incense was given to him so that he might add it to the prayers of all the saints on the golden altar which was before the throne. And the smoke of the incense with the prayers of the saints went up before God and out of the angel's hand. Then the angel took the censer and filled it with the fire of the altar and threw it to the earth. And there followed peals of thunder and sounds and flashes of lightning and an earthquake. All the prayers of the saints about God bringing judgment upon a sinful world. You know, all of the prayers gone on for centuries, God is now acting in chapter 6. Christ is going to be coming. Um, and it's going to be constantly lifted up. It's going to finally going to happen. There's a final plea for the action to start. As they are getting ready to sing and play the harps, they want it to get going. Please, Lord, now. And it is that time. He's the one now worthy to open the seals. That'll start chapter 6. Okay, next. It's we've seen the prayers of the saints, right? Then since they sang a new song, saying a new song. Let's get into that for a moment. God has taken us out of the miry clay. God has taken us out of the muck, the mud, the mire. We we're nothing but sinful. That was our nature. Not just acts of what we did that were sinful, but our nature was that. He took us out of that, brought us up, set our feet upon a rock, and He's put a new song in our souls. We have a new song to sing. Boy, did that make sense. After I'd been playing music for years and years, and then all of a sudden, God gave a new song to me. Same thing happened to you guys. I really didn't have a need for all that music that I had become so accustomed to. Some of it was not good. Not good at all. But I have a new song and uh, new praises on my lips. Let's just trace back a few verses. There are many about the new song. Psalm 33, 3. And this would be a few of them that are in the Psalms that we'll do here. 
over and over. And it's really, a new song happens when you are a new creation. When you become a Christian. Sing for joy in the Lord, O you righteous ones. That's what verse 1 is dealing with. Praise is becoming to the upright. Give thanks to the Lord with the lyre. Sing praises to Him with a harp of ten strings. Here's verse 3. Sing to Him a new song. Play skillfully with a shout of joy. Did you catch that? The shout of joy. A new song. We've got a song to sing. Chapter 40, verse 3. It's supposed to be joyous. It's to be loud. Bring it out. Enjoy it, right? He put a new song in my mouth, a song of praise to our God. Many will see and fear and will trust in the Lord. He put a song of praise. It was a new song in my mouth, a song of praise. This is when one has become born again. 98, Psalm 98, verse 1. Oh, sing to the Lord a new song. For He has done wonderful things. His right hand and His holy arm have gained the victory for Him. The Lord has made known His salvation. He has revealed His righteousness in the sight of the nations. Doesn't that want to make you sing a new song? It's a new song. Psalm 149, verse 1. Right at the end of Psalms. Praise the Lord. Sing to the Lord a new song. And His praise in the congregation of the godly ones. Sing a new song. You can do it at home. You can do it in the car on the way here. But it's much more enjoyable to sing with His people who also have experienced a new birth to sing a new song. Is that right? right. Isaiah chapter 42, verse 10. 42, 10. Sing to the Lord a new song. Sing His praise from the end of the earth. You who go down to the sea and all that is in it. You islands and those who dwell on them. Everywhere. Sing to the Lord a new song. Revelation 14.3 The book we're studying in. And they sang a new song before the throne and before the four living creatures and the elders. And no one could learn the song except the 144,000 who had been purchased from the earth. The 144,000 coming from the 12 tribes. 12,000 in each gives you 144,000. These are the Jews who are being saved during the tribulation. They become believers. And they have a song to sing. A new song, isn't it? Chapter 15, verse 3. And they sang the song of Moses, the bondservant of God, and the song of the Lamb, saying, Great and marvelous are your works, O Lord God the Almighty. Righteous and true are your ways, King of the nations. Who will not fear, O Lord, and glorify your name? For you alone are holy. For all the nations will come and worship before you, for your righteous acts have been revealed." They sang the song of Moses, the song of the Lamb. This is a new song. It's the song of the Lamb. So, the elders, 24 elders are singing here. It's a song of redemption. They know this personally. Any Christian, when they see the lyrics of a song... And it's talking about the cross or the blood of Christ. All those things, they know that. That is taken in personally. And they know it because they've been redeemed. Or they were purchased. Or they were bought. We'll speak about that just in a moment. They are joined here by the four living creatures. We go back to Revelation 5. And we march on. They sang a new song saying, Worthy are you to take the book and to break its seals, for you were slain. This is the Lamb. Uh, The wounds are there. The wounds will always be seen on Christ for eternity, I would take it. 
that is always reminding us of that. Is it time to turn that? Oh, good, thanks. The new song, The Slain Lamb, right? And so, you see, why is He worthy? Well, you see, whoever is going to be the king of the earth, He is the one who has to be slain. The king of the earth, the lion, is also one who is the lamb who has to be slain because a lamb that was literally brought to the temple every day had to be perfect, had to be without blemish, without any kind of spot. It was representing perfection. And the king had to be that. Has there ever been a king that could take our place? No. This king is a lamb who was slain. Back in verse 6, the lamb was standing, who had been slaughtered. It was the sacrificial, substitutionary death of Jesus Christ on the cross of Calvary. And that made Him worthy. Why is He worthy? Because He did what He did on the cross. Nobody else could do that. Even if they tried, it would not have been holy enough. would not have been perfect, spotless. The substitutionary death of Jesus Christ. He took our place. The Lamb is worthy. And it says this, you were slain and purchased for God with your blood. It's like he's, you're, the, the, the song is speaking to the Lamb here, to the second person of the Trinity. And the word we're going to focus on here for a minute is purchased. It means to buy. But to more than that, I'm going to give you a beautiful picture of it. The word is agorazo may not mean anything to you, it might. But if I say agora, now it might start meaning something. Because agora is the marketplace. Agorazo means to go to the marketplace and buy something out of that marketplace. Ex-agorazo is the idea there, to buy it, to take it out. This is Agarazzo to buy it and then to make free. To buy a slave and then to set the slave free. Free from death, sin, hell, Satan. That's what happened. It was the marketplace. He bought us out of there because we were slave to sin and hell and death and Satan. Does that word speak? He purchased for God. This is what God demanded. He did it with His blood, which says, with your blood, the blood of the Lamb. So if we're bought by Christ, being slaves, now we've been set free, we were redeemed. Or purchase. That's the idea of redeem, uh, redemption or redeemed. You might have it in your text there. You may not. My version has purchased. But that's the idea. He made the full payment. If you're the elect, your payment has been made. And so, they're saying, you purchased us, Jesus. You bought us. Look at 1 Corinthians 6.20. I love this. 1 Corinthians 6.20 For you have been bought with a price. So what do we do? Therefore glorify God in your body. Jesus Christ bought us. He freed us from that bondage, slavery, and made us free. He owns us. We call Him Lord. We are subjects of His kingdom. He owns us. That's all right by me. He created me, but even better, He recreated me. I don't want to belong to anybody else. I don't want to belong to myself. I've already proven. I messed that up. But He owns me. 
And then he says, I give you everything. And we say, we give you everything. That's the way a relationship with God is to be. He did it all though, didn't He? Angels never experienced redemption. They know the truth of it, but they don't know what it's like. The 24 elders know exactly what it is they experienced. We know it, don't we? You ever heard of people, well, you don't know what I've been through, and people say, hey, I know your feel, I know how you're feeling. And they'll go, no, you don't. You haven't experienced this. And we understand. We say, yeah, you're right, I haven't. It's got to be terrible what you've gone through. You know, you know we, we get, come alongside them, though, and say, I don't understand, but, you know, I'm there. Well, we felt it. We know what it is. The angels are amazed by all this. And they're right with us, praising God because of this. Look in 1 Corinthians 7.23. Let's read this real quickly. You were bought with a price. Do not become slaves of men. Galatians 3.13. Not too many pages from there. After 2 Corinthians. Galatians 3.13. Christ redeemed us. He bought us from the curse of of the law. You know what the curse of the law does? Sends us to hell. Having become a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. He took our curse, put it on Him. He was cursed. He took all that sin at that time. Wow. 1 Peter 1.18 talks about the blood. He bought us. The blood is what satisfies the Father. It's, it's done. It's been paid for. From every tribe, tongue, people, nation, Revelation here, back to Revelation 5, says, and so we've talked about purchased. Now we're talking about the people that are purchased. And look where they're from. Tribe, tongue, people, nation. All over the world. This is called diversity. The world wants diversity. This is diversity. When you have all the nations of the world being represented, God purchased not just for the Jew only, and not for Americans only, all over the world. Out from everyone is the original Greek. Out of everyone, certain ones he purchased, he paid for. He only paid for the ones that are his. Did he pay for Hitler? No. Did he pay for all the ones that are going to hell? Did he pay for Satan? No. He did pay for the ones that he meant to buy for. Do you ever go out and pay for things and, and then, you know, the, the store says we can't have it. But you pay for it anyway. You know, it's like, wow, Christ really didn't do His job then. If He bought and paid for everybody, then everybody is saved. It's one or the other. You have universal atonement or you have a particular redemption who He came for us. Did He came to buy for people who don't want to be in heaven? Well, none of us wanted to be in heaven, but He already decided this when? Before the foundation of the world. And when you look at it that way, now you don't have any trouble. You say, wait a minute, I thought He died for everybody. He died for all. Well, in Scripture it says that all. We, we do have all. And, or like every man, right? Well, who are those? Who's the all? Well, it's in Russia. It's in Spain. It's all over Europe. It's in the islands. It's in China, Vietnam, America, Canada, Mexico. That is the idea because 
it's not only for Jews, it's for Gentiles. And that is the idea of all. Because if He died for all, and He came for all, and all are going to be saved, we have a universal atonement. And if that be the case, why are we even here anyway? He died for people who don't even you know, care for Him. That can't be, can it? Out from everyone. You know, this should give you a wonderful, thrilling exhilaration because it sure did John. Because, see, the church was kind of small at that time in, as far as the world is concerned. And now, he sees the 24 elders and all of them together and they're saying every tribe, tongue, and people, and nation. Did you get that? John hasn't seen all this and he's looking in the future. And you know what? He's going to see so many angels and Christians there, it is hard to believe. So what joy must have been in his heart. And he was being persecuted himself at this time. So verse 10, you have made them to be a kingdom and priest to our God. Who are the kingdom and priests? The ones that he purchased for God. All It says in John chapter 6, all those whom you gave me. Chapter 17, all those, Father, whom you gave me, and I paid their sin for, those are the ones that He comes for and are kingdom priests. What is a kingdom? A community of saints under the sovereign rule. We are royalty. We have a great King, the perfect King. We share His royalty. In fact, He is a King and we are all kings. Chapter 1, verse 6 says, uh, to, uh, and He has made us to be a kingdom, priest to His God and Father. Chapter 3, verse 21 says, He who overcomes, I will grant to him to sit down with me on my throne as I also overcame and sat down with my Father on His throne. Sitting on thrones like kings. We all reign with Him. Chapter 20, verse 4. Then I saw thrones and they sat on them and judgment was given to them and I saw the souls of those who had been beheaded because of their testimony of Jesus and because of the Word of God and those who had not worshipped the beast or His image and had not received the mark on their forehead and on their hand and they came to life and reigned with Christ for a thousand years. Thrones. They sat on them. Who are these guys? Thrones. They. Sitting. sitting. It's us. Believers, all that prayer that's gone up for centuries and centuries to act for Christ to come is now in a way here that it's just totally ready to happen. The priest. Priests have access to God. That's why we are called priests. They had complete access to God's presence for worship, for service. And we will be royalty and we will be the priesthood. So you get the idea? We are redeemed. 24 elders, a new song. They're singing, you're now worthy to take the book, to break its seals. You died. You were slaughtered, Jesus. You paid the price. You purchased with your blood out of every tribe, tongue, nation, people. You gathered them all. And they are the redeemed ones. And you've made them to be a kingdom of kings and a kingdom of priests. Uh, who have eternal access to the throne room of God and communion to God always, who will reign on the earth. This is the song of the 24 elders. Verse 11 and 12, chapter 5. Are you getting this? That was our song. It was a song of redemption. Can you sing that song? If you're a believer, you do. Verse 11, Then I looked and hold, I heard the voice of many angels around the throne and the living creatures and the elders and the number of them was myriads and myriads and thousands of thousands saying with a loud voice, oh, watch out, I'm getting excited. <laughs> Hang on. It says myriads of myriads. You can say, what is myriads, myriads? It makes me always think of myriads. Myriads, myriads, right? That's myrion. And in the Greek, myrions 
times myriad, and that basically means 10,000 times 10,000. Well, why 10,000? That was the highest number that you had in the Greek uh, language or the word for it. 10,000 was the largest number. They didn't have the name million, billion, trillion. And that could have been put forth too, but it's myriads upon myriads. It's 10,000 times 10,000. It's 10,000 times... It's 100 million times 100 million. Thousands and thousands plus however many. How many angels are there? How many elders are there? Uh, this is going to be incredible. In Hebrews 12.22, it's using a word like they were uncountable. There were millions of them. It's loud. They're saying with a loud voice and you will have ears that you can handle all this. You see, sometimes it's time to be quiet. But sometimes God doesn't like silence whenever His people should be praising Him. And we don't want to be... Bra Thank you, Lord. And we could be singing soft and nice. and People could barely hear us. He wants people to sing robustly. Because that is exciting. We have something to sing about, don't we? Let it go! Right? Myriads. He wants big numbers. He's going to have it. He's going to have it loud. And they're saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb that was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. Can you say that in one breath? Oh, a song of praise. Psalm 33, they sang out loud. It says, Psalm 98, 4, they were supposed to sing loud. Here they're loud. Power, riches, wisdom, might, honor, glory. He's worthy to receive recognition. You see, he's not receiving power, not receiving uh, honor and glory and, and dominion and uh, the riches and the wisdom and all those things that go. You see, he already is those. But he's receiving recognition that he is wisdom. He is wisdom. He's the one who made wisdom wisdom. <laughs> oh, what a what a deal. He's omniscient. He's worthy to receive honor because of his holy character. He's worthy to receive recognition for his might. Uh, his power, He receives glory because of His divine majesty. And all we've seen in chapter 5, you know, the, the heavenly radiance that's there. The blessing, it's because of absolute perfection. He is those things. These are seven qualities here of the Lamb. And it's true of God. It's intrinsic. That means it is Him. It makes up His very nature, His very character. That's what we say to Him. He's worthy to receive this kind of recognition. All we can do is just praise Him for that. To be overwhelmed by it. This is what He is. This is His greatness. The Lamb possesses all of this. He is worthy. Do you see the crescendo? It has gone up and up and up. The music is playing. They're singing. They're saying things. And it's all praise to God. This is what we were made for. Whether it is straight worship, or in this case, it's about, it is worship going into judgment. And we finish up with this the song of the Lamb. All of creation is worshiping now. Every created thing which is in heaven and on the earth and under the earth and on the sea and all things in them, I heard saying to Him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb, be blessing and honor and glory and dominion forever and ever. And the four living creatures kept saying, Amen, 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 Amen. And what is Amen? Truly, truly, or let it be, let it be, let it be. And no, that's not what the Beatles came up with when they wrote that song. I wish they would have been. But that's really, that's Amen. Sorry, I'm getting excited. But they're, they're saying, make it happen. And in the next verse, it happens. That's what we're getting ready to do. You need to see a vision of Christ and get it right. Because you can say, this is horrible. This is scary. I can't stand this. This is too much. 
I, I can't read Revelation and all the judgments. And we've seen the beauty of Christ up to this. And we'll see His beauty all the way through. Because we have seen this and this kind of worship. And all through, there are still angels giving Him glory and such. And, and the, the, the 24 elders in the church and the saints. Folks, this is what gets us through the rest of the book. The rest of the judgments. The rest of eternity. We're going to be looking at Christ and seeing Him for who He is. This is what it's about. Are you scared? There's no reason to fear at all, is there? You see, we just had a vision of Christ. God on the throne. We're seeing a vision of who is residing in heaven. Who will be residing in heaven. This is glorious. He gave us a glimpse. And you know what? It's a very great assembly that is there. And soon we will be joining that assembly. And at this time though, whenever this happens, before the kingdom comes, right at the, before it, you're going to see angels going right out of this area where they're at to execute judgment. And so what happens to this earth? The starvation, the wild beast, all the different things going on, plagues, just name it. All that's going to happen, we know at one time a fourth of the earth will be struck. We've had, in this world here, in this recent pandemic, there's been 1% out of all the world who have had this disease, I guess, died out of it. 1%. Now, that means a lot of numbers and individuals. And yes, I, I have great respect for the families and that kind of thing that happens. But when you get into Revelation, you will see a fourth of the earth of the people struck. A fourth. That's 25%. Not 1%. 25%. Famines. Scorching of the earth and the natural disasters and such that go on. And you know what? His judgment will be executed. And He's going to gather His elect his elect are going to spend eternity with Him and set up the kingdom. Guess what? The stage has been set. We are ready for Revelation chapter 6. Are you ready for that? Well, here's how we get ready. Let's join the... Can I do this? There we go. Stand. This is our prayer. This is our worship. Say it loudly, please. Worthy are You to take the book and break its seals. For You were slain and purchased for God with Your blood men from every tribe and tongue and people and nation. You have made them to be a kingdom and priest to our God. And they will reign upon the earth to Him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb, be blessing and honor and glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Happy New Year. Sing a new song. Well, Debbie and I were going, well, we might have that. We just got to be